You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, when we read the scriptures, one of the questions that we always want to have, uh, that we always want to be asking the text and have in the back of our mind is, where is the surprise? It's one of the dangers that we face when we come to the scriptures, when we're reading and meditating on God's word, that we think that we know it. We're so familiar with the text, we, we think that we've got it. I've read this before. I know the story. I know how it ends. And there's no surprise or delight at all. But the Scriptures, God's Word, are the pure and clear fountain from which joys old and new are constantly coming forth. And asking this question, where's the surprise in the text, helps us as we search the Scripture for teaching and comfort. And it's true this morning as well. There are wonderful surprises in the Gospel text today from St. Matthew. Surprises for us and surprises for the people who were there in Nazareth to witness things, these things as they happened. Here was this paralyzed man brought to Jesus, carried by his friends on a bed. Mark and Luke tell us that because the crowds were pressing around Jesus and, and uh, he was in the house and they couldn't get to him, that these two men climbed up on the roof of the house and they opened up the roof, they peeled it back, and they let this man down on his mat in front of Jesus. Now, the more clearly we see the scene in our imagination, the better. Jesus is there in the house and he's teaching and the people are pressing in, not only into the house, but also into the windows and the doors all around to hear the word of Jesus so much so that, the, that the, the, the crowds didn't allow any sort of access at all. And, and now, as Jesus is teaching, all of a sudden, you know, bits of dust and dirt start to fall from the roof. And you would imagine the people's te- attention gets a little bit distracted. I mean, you can imagine if pieces started falling off of the roof in here, you wouldn't only be distracted, you'd be worried. <laughs> And then through the hole that's opening up in the roof, they, the light comes through and then the, the hands are, are peeling it back until this space is big enough for, for, for a big bundle to be let down through the roof. Now you have to think that at some point the disciples are looking at Jesus and looking at the roof and they're thinking, should, you know, should we go do something? Looks like there's guys up there. Should we go get them down? And Jesus says, no, let it happen. So now this bundle drops through the roof and you don't know what it is. Something big, looks heavy ropes on the four corners of this mat and it and it drops down and the people back up in the space and now right in front of Jesus this unfolds and in this bundle is a man whose arms flop out and whose legs unfold and whose body is absolutely still not even a twitch in his muscle oh the only thing moving is his eyes and you got to imagine that these eyes are now fixed. Whatever angle his face is, these eyes are fixed on Jesus. And the eyes of the four friends or the friends who lowered him through the roof are fixed on Jesus. And the eyes of the Pharisees and the scribes and everyone in that room, they're fixed on Jesus. What's he going to do? Now everyone there knows what Jesus should do. This man 
is broken. His back is broken. His neck. His whole body. He can't move. He can't walk. He can't work. He can't feed himself. He can't even feel. And there he is, sprawled out in front of Jesus. For one reason, he needs a miracle. His friends brought him to Jesus because he needs this miracle, and they know that Jesus can do it. Now we know what Jesus is supposed to do. He's supposed to look down at this man and say, friend, be well. Or he's supposed to touch him and say, stand up. Jesus is supposed to fix him. So that he can walk and work and take care of his family. But that is not what Jesus does. Not yet. Jesus looks down at this man and his broken body, and he does something else, a more desperate thing. Jesus sees this man's broken heart, but behind his broken body. Jesus sees this man's troubled conscience. Jesus sees his sin. In other words, Jesus gets to the real heart of the matter, and he says to this man, Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Now you have to imagine at this point that that this man's friends have to be stunned. We went through all this, tearing apart this roof and carrying this guy here and lowering him down, and now you're not even going to fix him? His sins are forgiven? The, the, the crowd must have been confused. The Pharisees and the scribes, we know that they're indignant. Jesus, don't you see we want to cry out? Look at this man. He needs help. He needs strength. He needs healing in his body. He needs you to fix him And you sit there and say that you're forgiving his sins? Now, I suppose that everyone in that room was troubled by what unfolded. Everyone except for this paralyzed man. And I can only imagine that there was on his face a smile and tears of joy filling his eyes as his heart inside of him leaped with gladness because even though his body was still dead, he was alive and he was alive forever. He knows now that God is not angry with him, that his paralysis is not punishment from heaven. He has hope now and faith. And even though he still needed healing in his body, he sees what he needed all along, the gospel, the forgiveness of all of his sins. Now, there is something absolutely wonderful here for us. We all have troubles. Now, I know that you might look at the people who are next to you in the pew, and you think to yourself, look at how they've got it together, and I'm in such a mess. Now, I suppose that depends on who you're sitting next to. (laughs) But I can tell you this. That person sitting next to you is a mess as well. We all are. I mean, we all have lives that are full of trouble. We all have drama in our family. People angry at us at work. We all are mourning. We know the sting of death. That's that's grabbed those that are close to us. All of us know sickness, both of mind and of body. 
We know the toil of living life in a fallen and sinful world. We all know the temptation of the devil in our mind, in our conscience, in our heart. The temptation to despair. The temptation to to sin. The temptation to boredom. The temptation to fear and anger. And this idea that the devil puts in your head that you're alone in all of your troubles. That your problems are monsters while everyone else's problems seem like puppy dogs. That's a lie. A couple of weeks ago, we had a sermon about worry. And I think every one of you said to me, Pastor, you were preaching that just for me. (laughs) See? (laughs) We're all in this together. We're all in trouble. Now, our troubles, and this is a good thing, our troubles teach us to pray. I mean, how much easier is it to remember to pray when something is going wrong, when something hurts, when, when someone is in desperate need, or when we're in desperate need, we pray. And then we come to church, and we hope that the Lord would answer our prayers, and that He would fix the things that are wrong, that He would take away those things that trouble us. So we come here before the Lord's altar and His Word, and we are like this man who cannot move. We have all sorts of things that are going wrong with us. Some of them are obvious, and some of them are very subtle. Some are known, and some are private. But we've come here hoping that Jesus might help, that He would fix what's broken, that He would make things right again. And then we hear these words, I forgive you, all your sins. Now, the temptation might be to be disappointed. But look, like this paralyzed man in the text, we realize that what was really wrong all along was not our body or our family or our society or our whatever else it is. What is really the problem is our own heart. Our real problem is not that we're dying. It's that we're sinners that are doomed to eternal death and hell. Our real problem is not all the people who are mad at us, but God whose anger and wrath over sin threatens to condemn us. Our real trouble is not the sickness in our bodies or in the bodies of those that we love. It is the stain of sin that reeks in heaven. And that is our true trouble. And that is really what we ought to be afraid of. We had the picture the other day in Bible class, this, something like this. Imagine that you're driving home and you're worried, you're you're troubled about all sorts of things. You're running late and you're worried about that. You're about to run out of gas and you're worried about that. You've got a pain in your back kind of off to the side that you never had before, but it's been there for a couple days and you're starting to worry about that. You had a strange conversation with your mom or your child or your neighbor, and you're still trying to figure out what it means. You're troubled about that. You're troubled about all sorts of things. Until all of a sudden, in the midst of your daydreaming about worry, someone gets into the passenger side of the car and pulls out a gun. Now, at that moment, all of the other things that you're afraid of and that you're worried about and that, you're, that trouble you, all of those things are gone. <laughs> all of those troubles are no trouble at all. You are only troubled and afraid of one thing, this guy and his gun. 
Jesus says, says it like this. Do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Your neighbor can kill your body. Cancer and disease can kill your body. The devil, if the Lord allows it, can attack and destroy your body. Jesus says, do not be afraid of these things. It is God alone who determines where your soul will be, in heaven or in hell. And we know we deserve to be in hell. So the preaching of God's law is like a guy jumping in the car with a gun. All of a sudden, you're startled into the realization that the real danger is God's holiness. And the real problem is the looming day of judgment. So that all the other things that trouble us, all the things that we worry about, all the things that we are afraid of, there is really only one that matters your sin. And here, right now, at this very moment, Jesus says to you, your sins are forgiven. There is, in the end, only one thing that we need to fear, and that is God himself. And he comes to you at this very moment and he says, do not be afraid. Imagine this guy jumping into your car with a gun and the only thing you can think of is this man and his trembling hands and his gun. But then he says to you, don't worry, I'm here to protect you. And he flashes a police badge. (laughs) Now all of your fear is gone, hopefully, (laughs) unless you've done something criminal. (laughs) Now all of your fear is gone. Your fear of this guy and his gun and your fear of running out of gas and your fear of getting home late and everything else. And this is how it is with this paralyzed man. And this is how it is with us. God is not mad at you. He smiles at you. He delights in you. He loves you. Take heart, my son, he says. Your sins are forgiven. Now, the Pharisees hear those words and they hate forgiveness. (laughs) And they're indignant. They accuse Jesus of blasphemy, of breaking the second commandment, of misusing the name of the Lord, claiming to do something that only God can do, forgive sins. So Jesus will put himself to the test for you and for this paralyzed man. Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say stand up and walk? Now, it's a bit of a trick question that Jesus has given to himself because both require the authority to perform miracles. To say your sins are forgiven, though, is something that only God can do. In this way, really, the more difficult thing to say is that your sins are forgiven. But because the forgiveness of sins happens in the heart, nobody knows if it's a true word or not. So if Jesus were to say, stand up and walk, everyone could see with their own eyes that his word has authority and that he is not a sham. He's not making this stuff up. So that the Pharisees and the scribes and the paralyzed man and you would know that Jesus, your Jesus, has the authority to forgive sins. He says to the man, stand, take up your mat, and go home. And he does. He stands up. 
And he walks to the crowd. And he goes home. So by the miracle, the word of forgiveness is confirmed. And Jesus will do something more. He even he has an even greater miracle to confirm the word of forgiveness so that you, dear saints, would know that his word is absolutely true. On the third day, he stands up from death and he walks out of the grave so that the one who died for you is raised for you so that his word, his promise of forgiveness, his absolution would stand firm against all of your doubts and all of your fears so that you would have this comfort in life and in death, so that you and I, sinners who should be cast from the face of God, would have the absolute confidence, absolute confidence, that our sins, all of them, are forgiven. And that God the Father delights in you. So, dear sinners, let us delight in the surprise of the gospel. And in the kindness of Jesus, who knows our hearts, he knows all of our troubles, and he knows what what we really need. And he says to us these words, as a called and ordained servant of Christ, and in the stead and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.